Okay. A little bit later in the episode, I'm going to tell you more about the hormone fixer because I know you're dying to know. This little bad boy supplement that I created, if I do say so myself, is amazing at so many things, so many benefits. So it raises your natural testosterone, ladies, that GSD hormone. It helps with weight loss. It helps improve insulin sensitivity. It helps with anti-aging. It increases your own growth hormone, the anti-aging hormone that helps with the wrinkles and the stamina, energy, focus, brain. It also helps with your mood and lowers your response to stress. So you're just going to have to wait a little bit more and we'll tell you more about it. The Hormone Fixer. Are you finally at your wits end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Maybe you've spent thousands on integrative or functional practitioners that have not helped you at all because they don't know the thyroid and hormones. They're not even testing properly. So come work with myself and my team. We prescribe to all 50 states and parts of Canada. I have you covered. I've been building this team for years so that I could help you no matter where you are. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes, book a free application call. We're going to go over your current health situation, what worked, what hasn't worked, all the things. And then we will pair you up with the right program for you where we will do it all. You will come out the other side of the program, totally optimized, getting your life back. You're going to recognize the person you see in the mirror again. Doesn't that sound absolutely amazing? Well, it might sound... Like you don't even believe it, but I promise you, I promise you, we will take good care of you. So click the link in the show notes, book a call today, and we'll be talking to you soon. I feel just so blessed to be able to interview this amazing human being, Dr. Anthony J. I read his book, I don't even know, over a year ago, a couple years ago. And it really changed the way that I'm looking at all estrogens in our life. How many times do we talk about estrogen, good and bad? Like the bioidentical kind that's needed by your body is one thing. And then the fake estrogen that is literally turning male fish into female fish and literally turning our own human males walking this earth into females. If you take a look, there's a lot of men that have man boobs. It's not good. All this estrogen in our environment is changing our endocrine system. It's changing the way our body works. It's changing the way our thyroid works. It is impacting your weight. It is impacting your mood. It is impacting your cancer risk. So let me tell you about my guest today because we're going to dive into all of this. Dr. Anthony J is a health optimizer who once worked with the NFL, MLB, and MMA athletes, and the U.S. Special Forces. He is president of AJ Consulting Company, which analyzes 23andMe DNA data to personalize people's health approaches. And he is the author of the best-selling book that I was referring to, Estrogeneration. Dr. J has a PhD in biochemistry from the Boston University School of Medicine and has been a research scientist at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota for three years. His book is game-changing. I highly, highly recommend you grab that. Grab it on hardcover, grab it on Audible, listen to it in the car. It will absolutely change your life. And then listen to this interview because there is a ton of gems in here for you to start changing the way that you look at everything from what you put on your body to the, to the Glade plug-in you got in the wall to the water that you're taking out of your fridge. So listen up and enjoy. Dr. J, thank you so much for joining me on the Thyroid Fixer podcast. I have been wanting you on here for so long. I read your book a while ago. So it's been on my mind. I mean, ever since reading your book, I posted about the lavender being estrogenic. And we're always talking about estrogen on here because of its effects on the thyroid. So I really want to dive in. I mean, you, you have so many good nuggets. We'll try to fit them all in today. But I, I want to talk about the you know fake estrogens effect on the thyroid, on the endocrine system. And I want to kind of give some love to the men here at the end as well. So we'll get into that. But yeah, thank you so much for joining me and bringing your knowledge to all of my listeners. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So in your book, I, like I said, there's so many good things. I don't know where to start. 
Let's just, can you tell the listeners, let's start somewhere. Let's talk about the fake estrogens and kind of give that overview of your IRS 10 list of where we can find all of the different xenoestrogens, the fake estrogens, and then we'll get into how it affects the thyroid. Yeah, good. Um, well, in my book, I break it down into the top 10 list, obviously, like you mentioned, but maybe even to make it simpler, you could probably break it into hmm, four categories, I guess. The big one being personal care products. So that if you take the personal care products, it's just one whole separate group. I mean, you're finding parabens, you've got phthalates, you've got a lot of these weird fragrance chemicals uh, that can act like estrogen in your body, disrupt estrogen, bind to the estrogen receptors, trick your body into thinking it's estrogen, just kind of screw with your estrogen overall and your testosterone, by the way, just sex hormones in general. Mm-hmm. But estrogen in particular, because you know, testosterone, and again, I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but testosterone is very simple. There's only one receptor. So when you have testosterone in your body, it just kind of goes around and it gets picked up by one receptor. It's like, just think of a little hand grabbing it out. So it's simple, but estrogen, there's actually three different estrogens, as you know, um, that are common in men and women, but especially women, estrone, estriol, estradiol, there's three estrogens, but then there's two receptors that pick it up. So that's way more complicated, right? Because now we got three things. We got two receptors that are picking it out, and they scientists literally call the estrogen receptor promiscuous, which I think is kind of funny. That's cool. I like it. But yeah, but basically meaning it can stick to all kinds of different things. It can interact with a lot of different things. Meaning, as we've made a lot of these modern day chemicals, we've accidentally or intentionally, I don't know, but probably just accidentally created a bunch of chemicals that interact with our estrogen system uh, because it is promiscuous and because it does stick to a lot of different things. And so that's what's going on here with these chemicals in the personal care products. Again, people need to be really careful because in personal care, usually the label just says fragrance and it doesn't even list out the chemicals and they don't have to legally. So of course they don't. So it becomes really questionable. And they do this because you're supposedly proprietary, you're able to make like a secret formula for personal care products. So you don't have to reveal it, what's in there. And so of course, what are they going to do? Well, they're going to use cheap petroleum products in there, which act like estrogen. So personal care is a big one. Another category, of course, would be like foods just in general, and the main one being soy. Uh, And there's a lot of quote unquote debate about soy and estrogen. But at the end of the day, all scientists agree that soy acts like estrogen. Now, there's no debate about that. Yeah. I mean, sometimes some try and argue that it's good for you. It's a good kind of estrogen. It replaces your estrogen, whatever. And you can make that argument, but you can't argue that it doesn't act like estrogen, right? Like there's no question. Like I say, everybody agrees with that. The research is super clear. And then the, the argument becomes, well, does it act like good estrogen or bad estrogen? And honestly, you know, that gets kind of muddy because there's a lot of money behind soy and there's a lot of influence. And thank goodness, With COVID, one of the good things, one of the few good things that came out of COVID is a lot of people have woken up to this fact that like, oh yeah, money is extremely powerful and can influence the scientific data and can screw with all kinds of stuff. And then you get the media behind that pushing a narrative. And that's what's been going on with soy. And I wrote about this a long time ago in my book and people are kind of like shrugging their shoulders about it, but now they're seeing it a lot more clearly. And so you see it with COVID, really obvious. You see it with soy when you look into it, same, same degree of obviousness. Um, it's not good for people, but the vegan community is really behind soy. Oftentimes they shouldn't necessarily be, you don't have to be a vegan and eat soy, but for, for whatever reason, they've really embodied like this religion of soy, like, oh, it's gotta be good for you because it's in all these vegan products. Well, that's why, yeah. They stick it in mm-hmm. every, every beyond burger that there is. And then you have to say that it's okay because that's all the vegans are eating. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's cheap. I mean, Farmers here in Minnesota, where I'm from, are growing these giant fields of soybeans, and it's a round bean, so it's real easy to harvest, and it has all these properties that make it good for gigantic, large-scale farming, mass-produced agriculture. That doesn't mean it's good for your health, right? So, yeah, no, um, exactly. And, it, and if you cut soy out of your diet, I mean, that's a giant change for a lot of people because you don't realize how pervasive this stuff is in your different protein bars or your whatever salad dressings. I mean, soybean oil is everywhere. Soybeans, soy, soy, everything. And by the way, if you ferment it, I was going to say soy sauce, but if you ferment soybeans, those microorganisms that do the fermentation break down the estrogen. So it's actually okay. Oh, good. So I can still have my soy sauce with my sushi. Mm -hmm. 
Nice. Exactly. As long as it's fermented. Yeah. <laughs> right. And of course in America, we've got like fake versions of that and you, you got to watch that. Out. But, yeah. but yeah, so foods are another big one. I mean, another category in the food section would be mold, mold toxins, because if you've got molds in your food, mold secrete chemicals that act like estrogen in your body. So again, just under this whole heading of food. So initially we talked about personal care products as a giant heading. Now we're talking about foods as a giant heading. Mm-hmm. Molds fits into that because in America, we don't have very good regulations on how much mold is allowed in our grains in particular, even peanuts. I think that's why the peanut allergy thing has become so popular and become so pervasive there. It's because we've allowed more and more mold into our foods in these giant silos, mass scale farming. In Europe, for example, not only do they regulate how much mold estrogen, there's a mold estrogen, and you read my book, so you're familiar with it a little bit, but it's called xerolinone, which yeah. is a terrible name. It's hard to remember. Nobody talks about it. Scientists just call it ZEA. ZEA, it's an estrogen that comes from mold. Mold secrete estrogen. It's toxic. It screws with your hormones. And in Europe, they regulate that stuff. So if you have a certain amount in your cattle feed, in your horse feed, in your pig feed, whatever, they even regulate it in the animal feed. And they say, like, here's the allowable, legal allowable limit. And of course, they regulate it in human grains as well over in Europe. And if it has too much mold estrogen, you know, it's it's not good. But sometimes you can feed that to the animals. But even if it's too high, you can't even feed it to the animals. Crazy enough, though. And again, you probably saw this in my book. But in America, we have zero legal upper legal safety limits. So in other words, there's no upper ceiling for the amount of mold estrogen in our foods. And this is human foods. This isn't just like our animal feeds. So what do they do in Europe? If if your pigs have too much mold in their feed, they literally can ship it over here and they do this and they can put it in your cereal. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I did this in your book, but I love that you're saying this for everybody else to know because it's so, it's so eye-opening. It's so, why is Europe so progressive? Why why have they not up? I know. Well, it's politics and money. So in Europe, I have a scientist friend. His name is Michael Skinner. He's given a TED talk. If people want to jump on and look at that, but he talks a lot about atrazine, this herbicide that, that's also another food estrogen. They're spraying it on our foods and glyphosate and stuff. And he studies multi-generational impacts of these estrogens. So like you expose the mother, but you don't expose the next offsprings and you see health impacts on the future generations just from the mother's exposure to some of these chemicals. And, he, and sometimes you don't see that much of an impact in the mother, but then you see more health impacts in the next generation and even more in the next generation. So oftentimes people are like, look, I'm doing all this amazing stuff for my health and I still have all these health problems. And it's like, well, honestly, you know, it's an uphill battle because your parents probably set you on the wrong path just because they screwed up their DNA. You can literally screw up marks in your DNA. It's called epigenetics. Um, I definitely write a lot about that in my book and it's a little bit deep but I make it simple in my book. And of course we could go into that later, but for now, let's just keep outlining where these things are coming from, like your your question. But the point with Michael Skinner is he in Europe is he gave a talk over in Europe about some of these chemicals. And two weeks later, they outlawed them because they don't have like money influencing the politicians and saying like, Oh no, we're making a ton of millions. We're making millions of dollars on these. So you can't outlaw they just straight up outlawed it. And that was like five years ago, that talk he gave. And it's that chemical that he was speaking on specifically still legal in the United States. They still use it. That was five years ago. The research is super clear. It's terrible for people. It's a fungicide. So that's really what it comes from. It's, it's money influencing politics in America. Huge problem. It is. It's a huge problem. And even, well, red food dye, which I know you'll get into, mm-hmm. but that I heard years ago, I mean, years and years ago that Europe had banned red food dye in mm-hmm. food. And if it is in anything, they have a big warning label on yep. that product. Whereas we're, we're putting in kids crackers yep. and yep. cereal and, and I'll even find red number 40 in things that aren't red. I mean, it's yeah. everywhere. It's orange. <laughs> it's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And then soaps and stuff. That's the craziest when you find it in the soaps. It's like, what's wrong with people? It's just purely for marketing, like a lot of things and money. But yeah, that's another one in the foods for sure. It's the red dyes. So again, with the foods, you got to be careful with personal care. You got to be careful with foods. And then another category would be drinking water and liquids. And I'm a huge fan of people just getting rid of those plastics. You don't, you never want to store liquids in plastics. Simple as that. Solids, sure, whatever, right? 
you got a piece of bread, you put it in a plastic thing. I don't care, but there's not going to be le- leaching from the plastic into the li- into the, like a solid food, like a nuts, like, like peanuts or something. But with liquids, even at room temp, I mean, people talk about heating it up and heating definitely accelerates transfer of molecules. So I'm a fan of not heating up in plastic, but let's just not do plastics to begin with. Because even if it's BPA-free, they have all these are alternative versions of BPA that are just as estrogenic. Yep. And then they have phthalates and it's killing us. I mean, the research is so clear that even the phthalates are as bad as BPA. And that's spelled P-H-T-H-A-L-A-T-E-S. So it's confusing again because of the stupid names they give these things and bpa is not confusing like people love to talk about bpa and part of that is because the word is so easy to remember but again phthalates terrible for your sex hormones you know terrible for your thyroid terrible for all kinds of things and plastics are everywhere they even did a study with children in daycare centers in california where they have like these plastic floor mats and everything's super quote-unquote safe because they have plastic coating on everything right and plastic slides and plastic toys and they found the air quality in that in those in, in indoor environments was above the cancer limits like the, the safe levels for cancer and this is for kids And that's like a crazy high level because generally if you're hitting cancer levels, that's like toxicity levels. That's like where you're just from breathing it in your blood levels raising so much, it's increasing your risk of cancer. And that's, that's way beyond what I'm concerned about. I'm just concerned about messing with your hormones. Right. And that's enough of a health problem in my opinion, to be like ringing bells and saying like, look, you know, the dose does not make the poison. Everybody likes to say the dose makes the poison. In other words, oh, you can expose yourself to a little bit. It's no big deal. Like, oh, you Water is not poisonous, but if you drink too much, you're going to die. People like to say this kind of thing. Yeah. Problem is with these fake estrogen chemicals, with these chemicals that disrupt your hormones, you're disrupting your hormones. <laughs> so like if you do it a little bit, sure, it's, it's not going to kill you, but it's definitely not good for your energy and your sex drive and your healing and your, your sleep cycles and all kinds of different things. So even a little bit, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of, especially when you start talking about wrecking the health of multiple generations. Definitely. Um, so those are those are probably like the major categories. I would say food, water, and then personal care. So again, you could make you could I made it to top ten list. I got more specific in the book, but that's probably the easy way to do it for a podcast. Yeah, no, everyone can grab your book and see the the entire list. But I want to circle back to soy because well, two mm-hmm. things. Number one, soy in and of itself is damaging to the thyroid. It's a it's a goitrogen. Mm-hmm. It can actually right. cause goiter and downregulate thyroid function. And then mm-hmm. just a kind of a brief story on that. I mean, this is probably in my twenties, long before I got into functional medicine, and you know, the soy craze was out. So I edamame. I think I did some tofu because I wanted to see what it would be like if you fried some tofu and maybe some soy milk or whatever. And literally within a week, I was breaking out like a prepubescent teenager because of the amount of estrogen that I was taking in from all of the different soy products. So there it was like right on my face showing the world what high estrogen do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, bodybuilders get that too, right? When you're overdosing hormones um, and they're doing it for for a specific goal, they're okay with the consequences, but yeah, I mean, it's a consequence. And again, you can't deny that it acts like estrogen. You know, that's the crazy thing is when you get these people sometimes telling me, no, 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 it doesn't act like estrogen. It's like, well, nobody thinks that. (laughs) Yeah. As long as it's organic. Right. Well, they've done studies. I mean, again, the the actual compound in soy, it's called isoflavone and genistein. Those are the two big ones. And it's, again, it's kind of a rabbit hole. It's pretty deep. I mean, I've done some YouTube videos on the depth of this, but it's not even worth getting into necessarily because it's kind of beyond the scope of most people's interests and most people's expertise to get into like the two different types of estrogen receptors and how they bind and how the isoflavones interact with the different ones and what those do. But I mean, the, the, the super simple version is that, you know, we have two estrogen receptors, two things that pick up estrogen and one of them is basically good and one's bad. I mean, it's not really that way. Like we have two for a reason, but there's one called alpha and one called beta estrogen receptor, alpha estrogen receptor, beta. And the alpha is only supposed to be activated during sexual development like when you're in the womb developing, you're not supposed to be like, it's like a light switch. You're, you flip it on during sexual development in the womb, and then you flip it off for the rest of your life. You're not supposed to be flipping on the alpha when you're an adult, right? right. It causes increased depression and increases uh, breast cancer in women. And by the way, breast cancer is up 250% since 1980. 
it increases prostate cancer in men. You don't want to be flipping on alpha. It's a problem. It causes all kinds of problems. And beta, on the other hand, is actually protective against breast cancer. It's protective against prostate cancer in men. Like beta is a good estrogen receptor. So you do want to flip on that light switch. And so that's where natural estrogen is a great thing, right? As long as it's not too high, natural estrogen is very healthy for you because it flips on the beta receptor. And the problem with soy is it flips on both of those receptors. So you can make an argument like, oh, look at that. It's positive because it flips on the beta receptor. Well, it also flips on the alpha receptor. It depends on the person. It depends on the cell type inside your body, but it's flipping on both of those light switches. And of course, BPA and phthalates and all these other ones, they flip on that alpha receptor. They flip on that bad one that increases the breast cancer and increases the prostate cancer and, and, and all kinds of thyroid problems like you're mentioning. I mean, thyroid and estrogen are like super interconnected. Yeah. And so basically, if you yeah, so if you screw up your estrogen, of course, you're screwing up your thyroid at the same time. And there's different degrees to that. And people are, have different sensitivities. And I don't know if you know this, but I do DNA consulting also. So I look at people's 23 and me and I look at like their genes and try and optimize their health. Okay. And I was just talking to a woman like minutes ago before we got on here and she had three problem genes in her thyroid section. And I was telling her like, it's funny that we're, <laughs> you have such a hot thyroid problem here because I'm going on this podcast and a couple of them were related to intermittent fasting, basically like her thyroid wasn't clearing out trash. Okay. Uh, the gene is called Foxy one, F O X E one, like Foxy lady for that song, Foxy one. Yeah. <laughs> they discovered this gene in Chernobyl, the radiation accident. And basically people that got, you know, radio radioactivity exposure and never healed from it they had the plus plus on this gene they had like the bad version of this gene. And then people that were fine that healed up just fine from the radiation, they had the good version of that gene. So I'm always looking in my screens for that bad version of that gene. And one of the solutions for that is intermittent fasting, because if it's basically a gene that's involved in autophagy in your thyroid, it's in, it's involved in trash taking your cells aren't taking out the trash. You do some, you skip breakfast, you do some intermittent fasting, your cells take out the trash batter, you clear out your thyroid, it's good for you. But also like she, you know, she had a couple other genes that were very sensitive to estrogen. So there's always this estrogen interplay. And of course she had thyroid problems, energy problems, cold fingers, cold hands, or cold feet. So it wasn't just like a theoretical thing. She actually had the genes. And then of course she had the actual health issues that came with them, but it was too, it was twofold for her. And it is for a lot of people. Estrogen, number one, thyroid, number two. And sometimes it's just estrogen problems. Sometimes it's just thyroid problems. Sometimes it's a mix between the two, but it's kind of, that's makes it a little bit more complicated. But the point is, and again, I know you know this, but if you're screwing with your estrogen, you're screwing with your thyroid. I mean, yeah. it's that simple. Absolutely. And high estrogen levels is one of the major causes of elevated reverse T3. So we're always checking that in thyroid patients, making sure that they're converting. And I know there are genes too. I don't know if... 23andMe tests for this, or if you can kind of deduce it when you break down the 23andMe and what it's actually saying, but the DIO1 and DIO2. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, they test those, yeah. Oh, nice. Okay, yes, uh -huh. because I'm, I'm, I'm happy to know that I've mm -hmm. only seen that marker in patients in the UK. I've never had a patient mm. in the US who shows me a genetic report that they did have that mm. marker on it. So I'm going to have to do a 23 and me and have you look at it. Cause I'm very curious yeah. because oh, I yeah. don't convert. So I'm, I've yeah. always wondered yeah. if I have those genes. Yeah. Yeah. One of the most common things you see with people with the DI, especially the DIO2 gene, the, you know, and they're not converting T4 to T3. And for people that are super new to this, like T4 is like the pre it's super backwards. Right. And you know, this is really confusing the thyroid because it's not like, Oh, T1 gets made into T2. Which, Right, you know, which right. would be like really basic and that's what it should be. But instead it's like T4 gets converted down to T3, but T3 is the active form that actually gives you the energy and all this. But the DIO2 in particular, a lot of people have this gene where they don't convert the T4 to T3 very well. So they don't, it just gets stuck as T4. And the biggest problem with that, that I see is that doctors say, oh my gosh, you have no energy. You know, your fingers are cold. Let's get you on some thyroid replacement. And then they give them Synthroid. Yep. Like they give them a fake version of T4. <laughs> yep. And then they've got this gene and they're not even converting it down to T3 and they feel like garbage. And then they have to get on like natural thyroid or something better. But you can pick that up on the genetics before they have this problem. And that's a lot easier in my opinion. That's how I generally see it. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's different, right? So some people don't have that gene and they can they can manage the Synthroid or whatever. It's probably still not ideal, but doctors love it because it's got a patent and it's fake and <laughs> they make thank more you. money on it. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
I see. Yeah. So I always say only like one in a thousand do okay yeah. or only. I mean, right. you really don't see people thrive on just Synthroid alone. You just don't. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, well and you know, the doctors. What's that? I mean, the medical system, the medical system is so set up for sick care. It's like basically if you're not dying, they don't really care. Um, and so it's super backwards, right? Like they're not trying to optimize your health. They don't really you know, they're taking these normal numbers and average Americans, like normal Americans are pretty unhealthy. We're at 40% obesity right now in our country, like 43% or something. That's just not overweight. It's like straight up obesity. And the thyroid's super connected to that too, but and estrogen and sex hormones. But the point is, if you're basing your normal values on average Americans, then you're setting up for failure. If you're just lumping everybody and saying, oh, you're normal, so you're okay. And that's what we do in this country. So it's a problem. Yep. I hear that all the time. I mean, that's most of my patients are coming to me saying, well, my doctor told me I was normal, but I just don't feel right. So Mm -hmm. then we have to really, you know, dig in and look at what the right treatment plan is. And one of that, one of the factors is looking at reverse T3 and seeing if they are estrogen dominant. And we're not talking, I mean, a lot of times, and, and you can give me your experience on this. So this is kind of a question for you. I'll see estrogen dominance, but not estrogen being flagged high. So we'll test the total mm-hmm. estrogen and we'll yeah, test estradiol, estrone. It's the relationship to progesterone. So they might have mm-hmm. postmenopausal progesterone yeah. in their thirties. And yeah. when that's in relation to the estrogen, then they're in that estrogen dominant state, which drives up the reverse T3. Have you seen that too? All the time. Yeah, exactly. I say this all the time. It's like the ratio is what matters. It's not necessarily, and it, it gets even a little bit more complicated because some people have these estrogen receptor alpha genes where they don't break down the alpha receptor. And remember alpha is the bad one. That's the one you're only supposed to activate during fetal development. And so the problem is their body is making alpha receptors and they're not breaking them down. So they just tend to be estrogen dominant, not because the level of estrogen is so high, but because they're so sensitive because they have all these alpha receptors, they have all these light switches that are getting turned on. So the number, like if somebody might be at 20 with their estrogen and somebody else might be at 20, but one person's going to be like way high or 200 or whatever, depending if you're talking men and women mm-hmm. and the response is going to be higher in the in one person versus the other person, because they're making more receptors that are picking it up. So the blood test is not going to reflect that. And you can't really find that out with the blood test anyway, because that requires a biopsy and they're not going to be like pulling pieces of your thyroid and pulling pieces of your whatever you know, you don't want to be doing biopsies. You can do it in a research study, which of course has been done. And so it's understood, but you're not going to be personally doing that. So you have to, some of it requires some tinkering because of that, you know, and that's okay. People need to be open to tinkering with those hormones a little bit when they need them, but the ratio matters. Like you said, progesterone estrogen ratio, huge. So when we're testing estrogen, is it picking up on the xenoestrogens? Is it picking up on Mm -hmm. what people have been exposed to? No. Okay. No. Uh, and sometimes testosterone is the best reflection of that for men and women, because if you're exposed to a lot of fake estrogens, it will lower your testosterone total and free. So for women, I like to see them above 50, but the sad thing is, you know, the no, the normal range is like seven to 70. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and 70 is really low too. I mean, honestly, like you can get up to 150, 200 naturally sometimes, and it's, you feel amazing and there's no problem with that. But the idea that seven is okay or 10 or 11 or 12, whatever for testosterone for women is ridiculous. And, and they'll feel that like, they'll, they'll say like, look, I have no sex drive, I have no energy. I don't heal very well. I don't sleep very well. And the doctors will be like, Oh, that's strange. Cause your hormones are fine. But what's even crazier is some blood test companies know how there's like lab mm-hmm. and then there's quest diagnostics and there's all these different companies. Some of those companies say that zero to 70 is the normal range for women's testosterone. <laughs> And I've seen women with zero on their testosterone and their doctor told them that their hormones are fine. Mm-hmm. And they say, yeah, but I have depression. Yep. <laughs> you know? yep. And it's like, oh, your hormones are like your, your blood test looks, oh, your cholesterol is a little bit high, but your blood, t-. I mean, that's the thing that they'll always say to everybody, even if their cholesterol is fine. So it's super obnoxious because they throw this red, red herring or this red flag up on the cholesterol and totally ignore the stuff that really matters. And so testosterone is a big one. But even there, like, it's unfortunate they don't check BPA and phthalates and parabens and all this stuff. But another aspect of that is those do store in your fat. So they did a study in Alaska that was super interesting on polar bears. They studied 11 polar bears. They put them to sleep, took a bunch of biopsies. And 
every single one of those polar bears, northern Alaska, they had parabens, like chock full of parabens in their fat cells. And it's because it worked up the food chain, right? Like people are washing these personal care products into the ocean, down the drains. Uh, it ends up in the food supply, works up the food chain and the minnows and the seals, the whole thing into the polar bears. And they're storing them up in the fat. So you can have zero in your blood and then be like chock full of it in your fat, depending on your daily exposures. And the fat cells are still slowly secreting some into your system. So you're just kind of bleeding fake estrogens in your body constantly on and off, like a little tap, depending on how much fat you're burning or not burning. And that's true of all these fake estrogens, parabens, BPA, phthalates. So it can take years. I mean, the average life of a fat cell is a year and a half. So they've done radioactivity studies to find that with people that were exposed to the atomic bomb, actually. And they found fat cells that live 10 years. That's crazy. So it's literally, so it can be tough. Estrogen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For that mm -hmm. long, it's just poor. Like you said, like a tap, just pouring yep. estrogen into the body. That yep. is crazy. I'm so happy you said that about testosterone because I talk about that all the time, even working mm. with my patients. I, I always say 40 or above, but I think I'm going to move my, my limit to 50 or above because you're right. I'll have women that are like, listen, I'm at 120. Don't you dare lower my testosterone. I feel <laughs> great at 120. Mm -hmm. Just leave it alone. Oh. And, mm -hmm. and testosterone is so, it's vital for males and females. And we'll get to the guys here in a mm -hmm. second. But for, for the ladies, you need optimal testosterone levels. Yeah, you're more sensitive than men. So you don't have to be at the masculine ranges, but you need it for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I'm going to yeah. put you on the spot here based mm -hmm. on some, some recent events that have occurred where Sean Penn came out and said, basically, mm -hmm. we're demasculinizing America. Mm. Oh yeah, you know he's right. <laughs> he got I know he's right. He got slack from that, but he is not wrong at all. And we can see this not just, I mean, we can see it by sitting at Walmart watching people walk by you, but we can also see this in labs. Men's testosterone levels are plummeting, men's estrogen levels are raising. It's mm -hmm. insane. So talk on that because I think we're both in agreement here. Yeah. Well, and I'm on board with Sean Penn too in this case. So they even call it male feminization. Like scientists literally call it male feminization when you expose yourself to too many of these chemicals and you start, you know, developing lower, to like just lowering testosterone is a form of male feminization. But in animals, like you can study their reproductive organs and how they change from male to, like an example, right? So atrazine, I mentioned a little bit. Um, it's a herbicide. It's the second most used herbicide in North America. It acts like estrogen. There's no question but they use it like crazy on the grains. So by the way, one health optimization technique is just avoid grains for people. If you're, you know, if you want to just do something really simple for your health, because generally people eat too many carbs anyway, mm -hmm. and the grains tend to be a real high, you know, risk for estrogen chemicals and estrogen mold in America and all this kinds, of, but atrazine. So if, if you have frogs, and they've done this study and this Alex Jones picked up on this and was talking about gay frogs and he was kind of right, but kind of wrong, but it was funny. So a lot of people remember this. If you have a frog and you put it in a, you know, in a tank of water, just like in its environment with 200 nanograms per deciliter of atrazine, just remember the number 200, 200 atrazine, 200 units of atrazine, that male frog turns into a female. All right. It's not gay. It just literally transforms the sex. Right. Right. Now, what's really crazy, and of course, the frog's like sitting in the water, so their skin absorbs. So it's a little bit different than humans because we're not literally swimming all day. But the legal limit, the legal safety limit for atrazine in, in your drinking water is 3,000 units of atrazine. So we're allowed to drink like this outrageous amount. And even there, it's above the safety limits. In a lot of places like Rochester, Minnesota, where I live, where the Mayo Clinic is, they have seven chemicals above the government's own safety limits. And they publish this stuff publicly. Like you can look it up. Most cities, it's like two or three. Rochester's terrible. The water smells horrible. I was working in a research lab at the Mayo Clinic on stem cells. And there was um, a woman from, uh, I don't know, somewhere in South America, like Ecuador or something that was there at the time. And she had come in from Ecuador and and after a month at the Mayo Clinic researching, she broke out into like hives. And of course, he went to all these doctors, got all these weird prescriptions, wasn't really helping, but it was kind of like making her tired and kind of suppressing some of the stuff. And I told her, look, that's the damn shower water. You just need to get a filter on your shower and literally just purify your drink, you know, the water, because that's what I had to do. It smells so bad. So I have a whole house filter, but 
you know, you don't want to be drinking atrazine. You don't want to be showering that stuff. If you're in the Midwest, you have to be a little more careful. If you're in, you know, if you're in an area where there's no farming, like East West coast, it's not as much of a problem, but then you get the birth control in the water. So there's a lot of reasons people need to filter their drinking water. Um, but yeah, that's male feminization. And again, scientists will call it like, if you Google at Google atrazine or maybe duck, duck, go or something, that's not as censored Mm -hmm. atrazine and uh, male feminization, you'll find studies. They don't just do frogs. They do mammals and all kinds of different fish. And there's all kinds of evidence in all different species. And one of the ways they measure that, I mean, like I say, in animals, you can just do uh, anatomy and look at gonads and all this. And then in, in humans, they look at anogenital distance, it's called, like how far is your anus from your, uh, your genitals. And so they can measure that. And it's really obvious. And there's even a woman who talks about this a lot. Her name is Shauna Swan. She was on Joe Rogan's podcast talking about this. And that's the only thing she talked about. And unfortunately, there's like a hundred things you can talk about with these estrogen chemicals. And that's just a very small piece of the story, but it's an important piece. And, and it also changes your brain, you know, like it changes male, it, it turns the males apathetic. And in animal studies, like if you do these rat studies and mice and rabbits and all that stuff, they become sexually apathetic, meaning they don't care. That's another part of male feminization. There's a lot of aspects to it, but it's really frustrating because these chemicals do that. And I've done several videos on YouTube recently about soy doing male feminizing males, uh, BPA, phthalates, uh, sunscreen, which I forgot to mention in the personal care products category. Um, Sunscreen has really commonly has oxybenzone, which is a terrible estrogen. Now, sunscreen's a big one. And I'm glad you mentioned yeah. all that because if, if you take a guy and and who does not want to become a female by choice and you mm-hmm. test his testosterone, again, we're coming back to those huge lab value ranges. He's mm-hmm. considered normal if he's coming in at a 285, 300, 350. Yeah. And that right. is far, far, far from normal. That is that is. Mm-hmm where they push men to when they do want to do a sex change. So when men want to become a woman by choice, we want to tank their testosterone and raise their estrogen so they get more female qualities. Well, what if it's happening not by choice? Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. guys are just drinking water that contain atrazine Mm -hmm. or they're lathering sunscreen on or they're eating the grains or drinking the beer. I mean, no wonder we're seeing male feminization. Yeah, we're getting hit from all these directions and and we're not doing anything about it as a country. And again, because part of it is the scientist's fault because we do toxicity studies. So we put we have cells growing in some liquid in dish. We put BPA on those cells and it doesn't kill them. So we say, look at that, it's not toxic. We can put a shit ton of BPA in there and it doesn't kill the cells. So therefore it's not toxic. Well, it totally screws them up. <laughs> I mean, the cells, it's not toxic because it looks like estrogen to the cells. So they're like, oh, this is just estrogen. So it, it definitely changes the cells, but it's not quote unquote toxic. So you get these people that are saying, oh, the dose, dose makes the poison. And if it's a high enough dose, sure, it's a problem, but it's not a problem because it's not a high enough dose. And again, I don't buy into that because number one, these are these stay in your body. They build up. We talked about that with the polar bears. Number two, they're additive. So if you add soy plus parabens plus oxybenzone from sunscreen plus atrazine from the grains and the mold chemical, you add them all together and it's got a one plus one plus one plus one. You know what I mean? You've got this giant effect because they're additive. They're acting in the same way. Again, maybe even we're hitting toxic levels in those, in those children with the daycare, you know, we were. So in certain situations, we're even hitting the toxic levels, which again, that's way beyond crazy, in my opinion. And by the way, masculine, like our paleo ancestors, you can do, they've done these research studies and like on, we have bones and all this stuff from the paleo times. And they're, the men in those times are walking around at 1500 all the time, just totally normal. That's where their testosterone was. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So to say like 300, is okay. And by the way, even in the eighties, the average male was 500 and the nineties, it was 200. It was it went from 500 to 400 to 300 every 10 years. So 80s was 500. It's like 535 or something. Mm-hmm. It was the Massachusetts aging study, if you want to look it up. It's 500 in the 80s, 400 in the 90s, 300 in the 2000s. And it's kind of like been around 250 to 300 recently. Oh. Um, super oh. unnatural, super low. Even in the 80s, it was probably starting to be kind of low because we had already introduced a lot of these petroleum chemicals and the plastics and stuff in the 80s. But at least get your tea above 500 guys. I mean, come on, <laughs> like whatever it takes. Yeah. That's my opinion. 
Yeah, ex- exactly. I mean, I, I like guys to be like seven, eight hundred, a thousand. Mm-hmm. I, I always say I wouldn't even yeah. let my my seventy five year old father be five hundred. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah, I'm checking sure. his level, being like, Dad, you got to get that yeah. up just for the heart yeah. protection alone. But yeah, Alzheimer's yeah. protection too. Yeah. Well, and not that. Not only that, but you become less sensitive to testosterone with age. So you need it to be higher with age because you're, you need more to get the same effect as a 20 year old. So the sensitivity goes down, your receptor levels go down with age, which most people don't realize. So it has to be higher with age. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just for the overall health protection. So, mm-hmm. well, I have two questions for you. Number one, before we get into the, what can people do, obviously get your book, get their DNA tested, which I'm going to do. I'm going to have you look at it because I've always wanted to, always wanted to. And the next question would be, what are your thoughts on testosterone replacement therapy? I thought I heard Hmm. you give a talk and you weren't too keen on it, but then what, so clarify for me, what are your thoughts on, on TRT? Oh yeah. If you need it, get it done. I mean, it depends on the person, right? Like I'd, here's the problem. A lot of people like, for example, I do DNA consulting every day. I have like three clients a day approximately. And I've got like a two month waiting list right now. So I do this all the time. And there's a, for example, just as a random example that comes to mind, because I see this, some people have terrible heavy metal genes. They'll have like eight or nine problem genes in the heavy metals section. So they're not clearing mercury. They're not clearing cadmium, chromium, whatever. They're, they're heavy metals build up in their bodies longer than most people. And that shuts off your testosterone. I mean, if you've got high heavy metals, the research is very clear. Even aluminum will shut off your, it'll lower your testosterone. So if you're putting on aluminum deodorant all the time, it builds up in your body a bit. It's not going to dramatically, but if you add all these other heavy metals, so eventually you're lowering your testosterone. And then what do the guys do? Oh, my tea is at 250. Let's get some cream. And so what they do is they just basically mask the problem. The problem with that is if you've got super high levels of mercury, you got to get the damn mercury out of your system or it's going to damage your brain and other things. It's not the testosterone's that's the fault in that situation. So there's always that nuance where if it's heavy metals, let's get the heavy metals out and see where your testosterone lands after that. Hopefully it goes up to seven, 800. And it does a lot of times, preferably you usually need to get the personal care product products cleaned up and the soy and all this other stuff, the grains. But if you still can't get it up, I mean, for sure, use testosterone replacement therapy because, you know, use the natural stuff. Don't get like some fake version of testosterone. Don't get some fake version of estrogen, like the birth control versions and stuff. Get actual estradiol, you know, get bioavailable hormones, but I'm a huge fan of replacing it when you, when you get to that stage, but it's always like a progression. You have to find out if there's a different root cause first, in my opinion, because otherwise if you're just putting on the cream and you're covering up something else, it's not going to fix the problem. True. Very true. Because I see that with thyroid problems too. Even, even the guys mm-hmm. that have thyroid problems, since that's the master, it's going to start tanking their downstream hormones. So yeah. then we see, okay, well, you have no T3. So no wonder your, your test is at a 300. Yeah. So exactly. I mean, but beyond that, I'm a huge fan. I mean, the modern medical system, the only reason they're anti-testosterone replacement I mean, I think there's two reasons. One of them is money because they make less money if you're healthy as hell. So if you're 80 years old and you're taking testosterone and you're on zero other prescription drugs, you feel amazing. Testosterone doesn't have a patent because it's a a natural hormone. So they can't make a shit ton of money on you if you're just doing that. So that's the first one. And that's probably the biggest reason. The other thing is they have this myth that kind of goes around medical circles from like 20 years ago. They, They used to tell you testosterone replacement therapy increases heart disease. It'll give you a heart attack. And the only reason they say that is because it raises your cholesterol a little bit. And so you have to understand how much nonsense that is. And that's hard for people to wrap their head around because their, their doctor is telling them their cholesterol is too high all the time already. And so, and it does raise your cholesterol. And by the way, they finally did some studies recently where they did, they tested people on testosterone replacement and there's actually less heart disease with people replacing their testosterone. So it's actually protective for your heart. But that's literally the opposite of what doctors have been taught in med school for decades. So there's this crazy myth that if your doctor's not like up to speed on what, what's actually going on, he'll be telling you like, oh, it's going to cause a heart attack, so don't take testosterone. And so that's another reason. Besides just the money and the fact they're not making as much money, they're very anti-testosterone because there's, there's been a real uh, ideology that it's bad for you, for your cholesterol. 
which is stupid. Just like meat. It's the same thing with meat, right? They say don't eat meat because it's bad for it raises your cholesterol and it doesn't. Or it causes colon cancer because when they've studied meat, they use like summer sausage with all this crap in it that's been yeah. sitting on a shelf at room temperature for like two years. And then it of course it increases colon cancer a little tiny bit. So then they say meat's bad. <laughs> right. Right. And it's just absurd, but people buy into it. It's crazy. So testosterone, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, all those things that work, you're not allowed to yeah, use. No. Allowed yeah, you can't, can't even use, say, say the words. Yeah, no, I, I know. know. I know. I've been demonetized just literally using the word testosterone. Like I'll do a video on testosterone and just talk about whatever research study. And they'll just like pull my monetization on those videos. It's crazy. It's a weird world. <laughs> the YouTube world, the Instagrams. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see if YouTube picks up on on our words today and we get kicked off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At least we'll still stay alive on Spotify. So <laughs> Oh yeah, hopefully for now. <laughs> Dr. J, what can people do then? I mean, they're yeah. gonna get your book, they can do a DNA test. What else can we do? Avoid grains. What else? Yeah, clean up your personal care products. Most people need to do a major overhaul. I don't care if it's shampoo or whatever. That stuff goes through your skin. There's a ton of studies. They call them like uh, dermal uptake studies, dermal absorption, like skin absorption studies, but there's enough evidence where even your, even your, uh, laundry detergent is probably something worth getting fragrance free. They've even done studies with laundry detergent and like with and without fragrance and what your blood levels are, some of these chemicals. So, you know, be really thorough. And, uh, I, you know, it's, it's crazy. I mean, there's plenty of products that are actually reasonably priced that don't have all this nonsense. I have a list on my website, ajconsultingcompany.com. It's it's not like exhaustive. It's not super thorough. It's just what I use. I just say, Hey, look, I found a soap that's pretty cheap and it doesn't have any of these chemicals. Here's what I use. I found a yep. shampoo. I found sunscreen. Here's this, here's that. And so that's been my approach is just like, say, here's what I got. And, you know, let's clean that up and filtering the drinking water. Almost all the filters out there have activated charcoal as a part of the filter. So get a filter, you know, filter at least the drinking water. If you're, if you, you shouldn't need a whole house filter generally, but definitely drinking water. I mean, without it, and don't put it in plastic. A lot of people, and even if it's a Brita pitcher, like a plastic pitcher and you're filtering into plastic, that's okay. It's just a little tiny bit into plastic, get it out of there, put it in a glass pitcher and store it in the fridge or something. Right. Don't just like let it sit in the plastic. So right. there's strategies you can do that are pretty cheap. Um, and, uh, like you say, the grains are a big one, depend, you know, depending on the quality and whether you're getting European and, you know, but yeah. The other thing I like too to recommend is the sauna for getting rid of estrogens because it's saunas speed up molecular motion. Mm -hmm. So it's like water, right? If you're boiling water, you've got vapor coming off, you got steam. That's literally water molecules flying off the surface because they're moving so fast. Same thing happens in your body. If you're heating up your body, those estrogens are moving around more and they get out of your system better. You flush them out better and even you sweat them out. So if you use a sauna, make sure you get a shower right after they've done studies. They call them bus studies, blood, urine, and sweat, mm -hmm. BUS. And they measure people's urine and there's like hardly any BPA and any, like there's some phthalates, but hardly any. And they have those same people go into a sauna and then they measure the sweat and it's like full of estrogen chemicals. It's full of these nasty xenoestrogens. So use a sauna. It's a cheat code for getting this stuff out. It accelerates the process. Then you don't have to wait five, 10 years. You know what I mean? You can get them out within a six month period and double your testosterone and all this kind of thing. Oh, that's easy enough. That's awesome. Well, yeah, you can even do hot yoga if you don't have a sauna, if you're not investing exactly. in your house. But no, I pl my plan is to get one and put it right over there in my office. So that's next yeah, on the yeah. biohacking list is an infrared oh. sauna. <laughs> yeah, huge fan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, thank you for doing that list too, because that makes it so easy. I've said that for years. You know, nowadays, there's so mm. many companies that are out with BPA-free, phthalate-free, paraben-free. And I mean, I remember years ago crying when I had to get rid of my really expensive face wash and toner mm. and face cream because I flip it over and it was literally methyl paraben, polyparaben, this paraben, that paraben, mm. phthalates. Yep. You know what? There are good alternatives and they're out there. So I appreciate you having that list on your website because that makes it a no brainer for people to go to and swap their products out. Yeah. No yeah. It's pretty exhaustive. I mean, it's got, you know, I even put supplements on there and stuff. Not, not because everybody needs to be on loads of supplements, but sometimes you have schizophrenia genes and you need some like weird one, like phosphatidylserine or phosphatidylcholine or something. So I have like yeah. all these supplements listed on there and it's pretty thorough and, 
it gives people other ideas like, oh, I didn't realize polyester, like your bed sheets. If you've got poly, poly bed sheets, polyester, that's plastic. That's petroleum derived. Those have phthalates in them. Get cotton bed sheets. You know, you don't want to be breathing this stuff up on your pillowcase every night. I even travel with pillowcases. So there's little things like that, that we're going above and beyond. And not everybody has to go above and beyond, but I at least want you to know what, what's above and beyond. What's the basics, like filtering your drinking water and everything in between. Perfect. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much for sharing everything today. And I know that you're totally booked out, but that you are giving half off DNA consults. We'll put Mm -hmm. that link in the show notes at your website, ajconsultingcompany.com backslash DNA. So that's amazing. I'm going to take advantage of it, even if I have to wait a couple of months. Listen, I always, I get people that, that are pissed that they have to wait a couple of months to see me. I go, Mm -hmm. if you were going to get a facelift and the guy Mm -hmm. could get you in next week, would you want to go to that dude? Would you want to go to the person that has a two month waiting list? Now I'm going to the guy that's a little bit busy. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for uh, plugging it for me, and and I appreciate that, and I appreciate what you're doing. And it's a problem in our culture. And again, fixing the root cause is is where it's at. And I I like that. You know that you're doing that. Most people aren't. Most of the medical system is set up to not only not do that, but to censor people that are doing that. So it's an uphill battle. Thanks for doing what you're doing. And and right back at you. Yeah, Jay, Jay Campbell and I always joke that we have the same brain. I think you're in the <laughs> same category because we think so much alike. Mm-hmm. And, and it is, it's just yeah. it's sick medicine. So we have to overcome mm-hmm. that just little by little, you know, just everybody band together and, and educate people so they can take control of their own health. Right on, yeah. So thank you so much, Dr. Jay, for coming on. And we will put all the links even for your book in the show notes as well so people can grab that. That is a gem. Like I said, I've been I've been referring back to it for the last few years. So thank you so much for putting that out there. And yeah, we'll Thanks. definitely have you back on. Definitely have to have you back on. I Thanks, Annie. Thanks. Thanks, Amy. Take care. Take care. So now that you've heard all about the hormone fixer, I'm going to give you a challenge. If you actually listened to this podcast all the way to the end and you're still listening, you can use the code thyroidfix10, T-H-Y-R-O-I-D-F-I-X-1-0, thyroidfix10 and get 10% off my store. This is only for people that listened all the way to the end. I want to know what you think about my products. Make sure you let me know. Love y'all.